you are Locked On A's, your daily Oakland A's podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How's it going, A's fans, and welcome to episode 164 of the Locked On A's podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, noted baseball fan, Jason Burke, and on today's show, just like we've been doing all week, we're talking about bullpen targets. Today's show is going to be a little bit different just because I'm also going to be talking about a couple of small additions that the A's made in the last couple of days. So I got a bullpen target for you guys, and then I'm going to talk about some guys that they've already added. One of them is actually a bullpen arm, so that'll be uh, that'll be some stuff to get into. But before I do, please follow us on social media at Locked On A's on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at by Jason B on Twitter. And if you have any questions for us, please send those to LockedOnAthletics at gmail.com. Uh, cards on the table. I'm feeling kind of met today. My wife's like, "You look." Pale. And I'm like, I'm always pale. I'm Irish. And uh, she's like, no, you look paler than usual. So uh, I'm going to rush through today's episode. It'll be a little bit shorter than usual, but uh, I wanted to get you guys some content for uh, Friday afternoon, Friday morning, whatever you listen to this. But anyways, let's get right into it. Uh, the plan today was to talk about two guys named Hector and uh, that could help out the A's in the bullpen and all that stuff. But I learned that even though the Phillies declined Hector Neris's $7 million option, he is still on their 40-man roster since he's arbitration eligible. Uh, that feels like that should be changed in the next CBA. And not only because Neris would have been a great fit for the A's, but because uh, he, he had signed a contract for $7 million, the team declined that option, and then they still get to keep the rights to the player for less money because arbitration and all that stuff. That doesn't seem to make any sense, uh, and it just seems silly that that's a thing that exists so hopefully in the next cba that's something that they can tackle because uh i have never seen this before so i don't know that it's a prevalent issue in baseball but uh i also would not like to see it again because it just doesn't seem right or fair to the player at all uh if you sign a guy for a contract you should be able to pay him that money or let him be a free agent and get money elsewhere. Uh, and, you know, this doesn't apply to like guys like Chris Davis, where you can just get off the hook for the money and pay him less money because uh, just because Neris doesn't have the service time that Chris Davis does. So it doesn't apply to every player. I know that, but this seems weird and I don't like it. So get rid of it. And uh, yeah, anyways, let's talk about the other Hector, though. This Hector is a little bit less flashy, but he's still a solid reliever, and that Hector is Hector Rondon. He had a pretty bad season with the Diamondbacks in 2020, bringing in an ERA of 765 over 20 innings, so not a great showing in his only season with the Diamondbacks. His walk rate went from just under 3 in 2019 to nearly 5 in 2020. He was getting hit a little bit harder. I think his exit velocity was like 91.7, somewhere in there, which is pretty hard for anybody, especially a reliever. Um, and his ground ball rate was the lowest of his career at 35 and a half percent and uh, he was just giving up a home run every four fly balls so 2020 was not kind to Hector Rondon just like it hasn't been kind to a lot of us but he was with a new team in this pandemic season and so with all that said his track record is kind of what I'm looking at here as opposed to what he just did this past season. So taking a look back at 2019, his ground ball rate was 50%, which is much better than 35 and a half. And I think that for relievers to have success in the playoffs for the A's, being more ground ball oriented than the usual fly ball pitcher that the A's have, because the A's have a lot of space in the Coliseum, if they're not playing in the Coliseum, 
then their guys are a little bit more prone to getting hit a little bit harder, especially if you're in like Yankee Stadium or something like that. You'll want to give up more ground balls and fly balls from Yankee Stadium. So that's something that appeals to me personally. Uh, his ERA was also much more manageable at 371 as opposed to 765. And his exit velocity was below league average, not well above it. So 2019, not a sterling season, but it was a lot better performance. And I think that you could take that from somebody who's not going to be costing you a lot of money. Uh, lots of players had weird years in 2020, and when you're looking at deals this winter, you may have to throw out some of the stats from this past season over here uh, and rely more on the player's track record, which is what I said before. Uh, is Hector Rondon an elite reliever at age 32? Not necessarily, but I think that he's been a pretty good reliever over his career, and my guess is that his stock price is, is going to be around two years, $5 million. That could be all it takes to land Hector Rondon, who has experience closing, and he's been a pretty solid reliever over that duration of his career. He has a career ERA of 349 right in line with his career FIP, so he's not outperforming anything. He's the pitcher that he's supposed to be. And someone who likes to strike out a batter in inning while keeping his walks in check, that's that's a pretty solid reliever. He's not flashy. He's not a huge upside guy or anything like that. I think that his peak could be Joaquin Soria from the A's bullpen the last couple of seasons, and that's not a bad peak. Uh, so if you can get something like that for two years, $5 million, I think he'd kick the tires on that one just a little bit. I mean, as I said, he has closing experience. And while I don't think that the A's want to sign him to be their closer in 2021, he could do a nice job of filling in for the regular guy, just like Joaquin Soria did. So he's not a the best option on the board for me, but he is a nice depth option for the A's to go after and, you know, look into a little bit harder, see what they think with their analytic staff and whatnot. Cause I am just one guy who spent a couple of hours looking at random free agents. So, uh, I think that Hector Rondon could be a nice addition for the A's bullpen. And honestly, he made my list because he's affordable, not because he's flashy. And knowing that how the A's operate, he is likely somebody that is on their list of relievers to look into a little bit more closely this offseason. So that's another reason why he made my list of maybe guys that the A's go after this season. And if you've been listening to the podcast all week, you've been hearing me talk about, you know, Josh Tomlin and Paul Fry and Brad Hand and Kirby Yates and all these guys. And I've been kind of doing them in the order that I would prefer the A's to go after them. So obviously, first I went trade market because I want those guys. Um, and then, you know, Carl Edwards Jr. is in there too. He's a free agent. Um, just guys who have more upside, I think. Hector Rondon, he's on my Thursday episode. I know that it's coming out on Friday, but it's my fourth of the week. So uh, he's my my Thursday guy. And then tomorrow I have a couple of guys that would be minor league uh, free agent type guys that they could sign to a minor league deal. It's kind of a show us what you guys got right now uh, kind of a deal. So uh, that's how I've kind of laid out this week. Uh, if you want to hear my, the guys that I'm super excited about, go to Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday even, because uh, yesterday was a lot of fun. Uh, and then the next two I'm less excited about, but I think that they're still a fit with the A's and their bullpen in 2021. And it also fits the financial constraints that uh, we're probably operating under here this offseason. So there's not going to be a lot of big flashy additions, but relievers don't necessarily cost a bunch. So if the A's are going to spend money, I think that it would be in the bullpen. And then you kind of figure out what happens with, you know, shortstop, second base and all that stuff from there. So uh, yeah. Anyways, coming up on today's show, I have the A's two latest additions. So stay locked in with Locked on A's. I'll be right back. 
Welcome back to the Locked On A's podcast. If you guys are enjoying the show, make sure to subscribe wherever you like hearing podcasts. Tell a friend because we have A's coverage for you guys every day this offseason. So we're going to be covering the latest news, going in speculation, trade targets, all that good stuff. Uh, this is the place you guys want to be for your daily A's coverage. Uh, also, make sure to follow us on social media at Locked On A's on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at ByJasonB on Twitter. And if you have any questions for us, please send those to LockedOnAthletics at gmail.com. So the news broke today from all the A's beat writers that Oakland had acquired their player to be named later in the Jorge Mateo deal with San Diego from uh, July, I think. It was before the season started. And that player that they got from San Diego is 19-year-old outfielder Junior Perez. And because he's only played in the Dominican Summer League and the Arizona League for the Padres, there isn't a ton of intel on him. But uh, the stat line does provide a little bit of insight. First off, he was playing in those leagues at age 16 and 17, a couple of years younger than the rest of the competition. Uh, here's a scouting report from Martin Gallegos of MLB.com. He said, quote, projected for a corner outfield spot due to below average speed. Perez makes up for his legs with some quality pop in his bet with his power grading out at 55 on the 20 to 80 scale. At such a young age, there is still plenty of time for Perez to develop in an A's farm system that has steadily built up outfield depth over the last few years. And that's all from Martin on that one. Uh, here's back to me. From his age 16 to 17 season, Perez went from three homers to 11 homers in just over 200 at-bats each time out. So it looks like he was starting to develop a little bit of power the last time he was out there playing on the baseball field. His walk rate in 2019 was 10.1, while his strikeout rate was 24.8. His K rate the season before had been 30.4, so the fact that he struck out less and hit for more power is one of those small signs that Junior Perez could have some tools to work with there. And as far as the deal is concerned, this is kind of what you hope for when the A's had to trade Jorge Mateo for a wild card, lottery pick, whatever you want to call it, because Jorge Mateo was out of options and not close to the top of their depth chart in the middle infield, so they had to do something with Mateo. They could either put him on waivers and lose him for nothing or make a trade and hopefully get a wild card. And it seems like Junior Perez seems to be a pretty decent wild card with some tools. Maybe he's only a power bat at the end of things. Uh, you know, we'll see, I guess. He's only 19. He's got plenty of time to develop. Um, and he, I think that he's an interesting player to keep an eye on. So when it comes to that time, find out where the A's put him to start the season in the minors. Uh, I don't know what their minor league system is going to look like right now because we're still in the phase of are they going to be cutting down the minor leagues? Are we still going to have the Beloit snappers? Are, is that still going to be a team? Uh, is it not? Or are they going to move them straight up to Stockton? Or uh, where is Vancouver? Where do they rank in the whole system? Um, not sure, but you would assume that he would be in some sort of a lower minor league right there. So it's probably Vancouver or Stockton, somewhere in that realm. Um, and so we'll see where he's at from there. And uh, hey, if you want to go up north and you got a passport, Vancouver would be fun. Or you could go to Stockton too. That's, a, that's another option. Obviously, COVID permitting on that one. Uh, so anyways, the other player that the A's added this week was Matt Blackham. He, uh, it's Blackham. 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 Um, he is a right-handed reliever, and Blackham was selected by the Mets in the 29th round of the 2014 draft and had been with the Mets ever since. Uh, he signed a minor league deal with the A's and gets a spring training invite, according to Melissa Lockard of The Athletic. Melissa Lockard, uh, give her a follow if you don't already. She's wonderful. She has 
some of the best uh, information on there, and she's hilarious. So, uh, Melissa Lockhart on Twitter. But going back to somebody who I don't think has a Twitter account, that's Blockham, and he spent a little bit of time in AAA in 2019, and he threw 15 and two-thirds innings with the uh, Mets Syracuse affiliate, and he earned a 2.3 earned run average, but his walk rate is seemingly what's been keeping him from progressing a little bit further, or even staying in AAA a little bit longer. Uh, in his five minor league seasons, his walks per nine sits at 4.2, while his strikeout rate is impressive at 12.1. So going back to his AAA stats, obviously it's a small sample size, but his strikeout rate in his brief AAA stint went to 6.3 per nine, while his walk rate still hung around four. So Obviously, you, you want to see uh, the stats stay the same, at least. You don't want to see the, the good one fall and then the, the bad one stay the same. But that all said, I'm not mad at this signing whatsoever. There's definitely some upside here, and he'll just be turning 28 in January. And uh, for some reason, I don't know why, but he's giving me some Burt Smith vibes. Obviously, I'm not saying that this signing is going to work out for the A's in any form or fashion or anything like that, because I don't even know what Blackham throws. But just going by the stat line a little bit, uh, Burt Smith had some control issues before the A's got him, and he allowed a walk, or sorry, under a walk per nine in his 12 innings with the A's. Obviously, small sample size so you don't know what uh what would happen over the f course of a full season for Burt Smith but it seemed like some of the walk woes that had followed him across his major league career and his minor league career kind of went away when he signed with the A's so maybe the same thing maybe the A's are hoping for the same thing to happen with Matt Blackham on this one and I mean heck depending on how the A's bullpen hunt goes this winter if they don't pay attention to all of my uh excellent bullpen advice then maybe both Blackham and Birch will be in the A's bullpen on opening day. And if that does happen, we're definitely going to need a nickname for the Birch and Blackham connection. Maybe the Birchum connection. I don't know. Is that is the one that came to mind. Uh, if you have an idea on one, let me know at Locked on A's on Twitter or me personally at ByJasonB. I'll retweet some of these because I'm sure that they will get fun and interesting. Um, but I said that this is going to be a little bit shorter of an episode, and it is. This is all that I have for you guys today. Uh, I got two more targets for you guys in the bullpen coming tomorrow. So uh, until then, stay indoors and celebrate good times, Oakland. Keep counting those votes, and I'll talk with you guys tomorrow.